is a worthy God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sometimes you just have to really just give God something extra. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I praise you because I have an understanding of who you are to me. Glory to God. You are the lover of my soul. Hallelujah. You are my strong banner, Lord God. You are my victory, Father. You are the place of refuge, Lord God. Hallelujah. You are the sanity of my mind, Lord God. You're my peace. You're my shalom, Father. Hallelujah. You are my Lord and you're my King. Hallelujah. Glory to the Most High God. You are my source. You're my strength. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You are my best friend, Lord God. You're my Savior. You're the keeper of my mind. Glory to God. You're my sanctifier. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Where would we be if it wasn't for the Lord? That has been and is and will always be by our side. Glory to God. Oh, he's wonderful. He's worthy. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, you may be seated. You may be seated. We're going to go in. We're going to go in here real fast and real hard. Jesus. I tell you, it's nothing like. See, man, I knew it. I think someone asked me, uh, was in the minister office and. I spoke to everyone, and and then Minister Brian spoke, and I looked, I turned. It's like, why you look at him like that? I said, because when you see a man of God, <laughs> see when you see, I'm saying a genuine follower of Christ. Renee, there is a quickening. Whether it's another sister or brother, it's a quickening. See, now I can tell when you've been in the presence of the Lord. And, and see what my spirit did, I answered that. See, it has to be real to you. When a person has been in the presence of the Lord, they're not themselves. See, when you're not, when you haven't been in the presence of the Lord, you're operating and existing as a mere man. But when you've been in the presence of the Most High God, the sonship of the, the kingdom of the Most High God, there is a power and authority that you sense that you respond to in kind. See, once you realize what's really inside of you, Renee, Cindy, the vast greatness. See, but we respond to people that we have deemed as famous. Oh, look at this person. This person can be in town. Wait a minute, Mr. Brian is in town. Hold on. A sister of the 
citizenship of the kingdom of God is in town. Wait a minute. She's in the house. T is in the house. See, Cindy, it's because we can't discern the body. You discern or you crave for fame, tension, man approval. But when God's kingdom entered in, he said, I was in the midst of you. You didn't even know it. See, that's required to be around me. I need to be able to sense you've been in the presence of the most high God. So I don't have to talk to you as a mere carnal man. So that we both can grow. Hallelujah. I just had to explain what had happened. Oh, when you're in the presence of God. The most important thing happens. You change. When you see what has happened is the spirit of compromise is over the body of Christ. The spirit of compromise causes you to compromise. The world, the things that you like, the things of the flesh that brings you so much gratification. The spirit of compromise is why you can't love God. This is what's happening to the church. title of the text. I'm in my message already. But the title of the text is The God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the Fear. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Fear. We've heard this so many times. See, but because we often don't examine and scrutinize the word of God, it has no weight and no value in our life. It's just, okay, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. See, this is what caused you to fall in love with God, is that you search him out. Because we have either stopped searching him out or never, never searched him out, we're not in love with him. This teaching will change how you see and respond to God. If you receive this teaching, it's going to change how you see, experience God, and how you respond to his word. It's going to create a deeper intimacy and a reality of your relationship with the only true and living God as a recipient of his divine promises. See, we are expecting promises, but we are not experiencing God. Okay? Again, the spirit of this age is causing many 
to compromise with the word of God because it's just that, compromise. This spirit tells you, see, this spirit speaks. It tells you things. It tells you you don't have to keep the word of God anymore. It's, you read the word of God, it says where you're supposed to bring your tithes and offering in the storehouse. You're supposed to love your brother. I mean, a whole long list of what God expects out of us. But the spirit of compromise tell you, no, you know you don't have this, you don't have that. So it causes you to compromise, to reason with that spirit, and to understand and be more close to the spirit of compromise. So it's impossible then to please the Lord. Spirit of compromise. People get you to do it too. The world, your friends, your family. Because you fear them more than you do God. So you compromise. This spirit actually is a perversion of grace. Pervert your faith. The spirit of compromise perverts your faith. This is why you're often hearing in most churches the prosperity teaching, the grace teaching, the you, this is your very best day teaching. You know why? Because there's no teaching of the fear of the Lord. So it perverts your faith. And the only thing that you can attest to or can relate to is you. It perverts and it creates all this self-help. Because this is where it has driven you. To you. It has driven you to yourself and your faith. So you need something else to work with your faith. You need something else. And so this something else is a mixture of false ingredients. It's not the love of God that causes faith to work. It's whatever I can answer. So basically, if you, um, you're cooking food and, and with a meat, let's say a certain meat you cook, you can't cook it with one seasoning. And this is what has happened with our faith. Has taken out the main ingredient, which is the fear of the Lord. And now faith stands by itself without the operation of the love of God. So your life, you may question, have I even really started my journey as a Christian? Maybe this is so why it's so difficult that I'm looking and searching not for God, but myself. You're searching for yourself, you're not trying to advance the kingdom of God. You're trying to advance yourself. 
We're talking about the spirit of this age and how it perverts grace. It perverts the mercy of God. Because you have grace and you sin, because those who are a believer, if you fornicate, it's not a sin. You know what it is now? It's a weakness. It's a weakness. It's not sin. It's a weakness. And he has given you strength and he has given you power. For believer, it's not a sin. It's a sign of weakness. You have a character, you have a spiritual character flaw, which is you don't fear the Lord. See, this is why you can keep on doing the same thing that's against the will of God. Because you don't fear God. You don't fear God. So you assimilate with people of the same kind of faith. Not fearing God. We are weak together. Weak together. Not sin together because you guys are calling yourself believers. So I don't surround myself with people who fear God. I surround myself with people who are calling themselves followers of Christ, but they have a spiritual character flaw, same as I do. We don't fear the Lord. Are we really going to get in? The fear of God has lifted in the majority of the Christian lives. We just don't fear. We just don't fear God. We fear, but we don't fear God. We fear people the most. Disapproval. They don't agree with you. What you're doing, what you're saying, how you dress or don't dress or what you, whatever. But we fear that. But when you do fear, no one has to tell you what to do. When you do fear the Lord, no one has to tell you what to do. This is why most of us, see, this is why I won't come to church. You know why? Because Somebody, some man, woman trying to tell me what to do. I don't want to submit because I don't want them to tell me what to do. Well, you wouldn't have to be told what to do if you fear the Lord because you would do. <laughs> but it shows you where you're at. It shows that you don't fear the Lord and you have a need to be told what to do. And the first is to fear the Lord, fear him. Fears, there are universal, universal fear. See, this is the greatest fear that men have, and that's of the unknown. Death. Death. The unknown. And also the unknown we're just stepping out of what you can possibly believe that can be done. This is why you can't advance. 
This is why most of us that should be owning a business are not because fear of the unknown. Okay. The unknown. <laughs> he should be someone else's supervisor. But because you fear, it keeps you in a place of stagnation. You and those around you. Because you fear the unknown and not God. This is why you stop advancing. Because you fear the unknown and not God. Where's your victory? It's in the fear of the Lord. <laughs> okay. We all have common fears and also personal fear, which is phobia. So those are all types of fear. But the fear of the Lord is in a whole different category. This fear is reverence. It's a disciplined life, saturated with the love of God and manifestation of his glory demonstrated in power. See, if you're not experiencing this, his glory and his power in your life, it's because you don't respect or reverence the Lord God, your father. This is very serious. The fear of the Lord. The word of God says, Yea, though I walk through the shadow of death, I shall feel no evil because the Lord is with me. There has to be another fear then that's greater than the fear of death. He said the fear of the Lord is greater than death. Your greatest fear shouldn't be your greatest fear because I should be your greatest fear. We fear the unknown. Death, he said, but I should be your greatest fear. I shouldn't fear whether you're going to walk out my life. My greatest fear is the fear of the Lord. If you feel the need to walk out my life, let me help you pack. Because that means I need to really get on with my life in advancing the kingdom of God. I can't be sidetracked or distracted by fearing man. We are bound by fear because fear is the prerequisite to hell. To hell. See, this is a place of permanent torment, and there's no break in hell. If you love God, what does the love of God do? If you love God, what does the love of God do or supposed to do in your life? It's supposed to drive out all fear. It drives it out of your life. Why do we fear? He says, 
See, this is why sometimes we think that the word contradicts itself. Because he said, you should fear the Lord your God. And then he tells you, I haven't given you the spirit of fear. Right? He said, but you have this fear of things and people, but I come to drive it all out so that it will have only left remaining the greatest fear, the fear of me. He comes to drive out every fear that you will have, Renika. Every, every anxiety that you will have or apprehension. He said, I come. See, this is what I said. I come to give you life and that much more abundantly. I come to drive out anything that will prohibit you from loving me. And only I will remain in your life. See, oh, see y'all ain't ready for, ready for that kind of fear. Because that kind of fear has the greatest benefits. Has the greatest benefits. Long life. That's one of the benefits. The beginning of knowledge. He said, he's saying that you don't even have knowledge of me yet. If you don't fear me. This is why you don't want to spend time with me. This is why you don't want to read the word. This is why you're not praying. This is why you're not living a life as a believer. Because you don't fear me. It is the beginning of our relationship, he says. And it's also the end. He said, brings understanding. There's no way that you are a child of God and you don't understand who's inside of you. He said, when I come and drive out all those impurities, I only leave myself remaining. This is how you're going to understand me. You now have all those thoughts and voices in your head. Fear as a response to God and its deeds are so important, hear me, as an aspect of biblical faith in life, that fear actually, it is actually uh, considered to be the major characteristics of God. It is the ultimate one. So much that his name, and he is eager, equal to, Fear. His name is fear. <laughs> he is the fear of the Lord. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. We're going to show you in scripture. See, the fear of the Lord is to stand in amazement. I'm just so amazed. I don't even know what to do with what I'm hearing. See, you're amazed. So, but see how we're not amazed? I just don't know what to do with my, see, it's a real thing. When I say I don't know, I don't know what to do with myself. It's not in dread and fear. That is not the fear of the world, but of the Lord. He is saying here, it's amazement. It's awe. It's reverence. It's honor. It's respect. See, but you give the awe, respect, and honor to man. 
so many other things that we do. The unfailing love and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed. See, see y'all don't even know what God has called you to. I, you, I mean, the love that you've been seeking for and trying to get and can't get, and you're mad at the one that you, which you got, what you, that you thought you wanted to get with, and that love. But he said, this here is what you're going to need first. The fear of the Lord, it is everything. He said that you would look at the cross. See, y'all ain't ready. That you would look at the cross and you would see the unfailing love and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed. See, y'all ain't ready for the romance that God's trying to take you. See, y'all want this physical thing. It's not physical. It's a knowing. Understanding and knowing the open display of Christ on the cross. And it's alignment to our redemptive salvation that he has made available. We shall forever stand in awe. Forever. But we're not. We're no longer standing in awe of God. Because our life should be a continual being fear of the Lord. Fear of God is identical with love and service. He says in Deuteronomy 10, 12, Amplified Classic. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God requires of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. He said, the fear of the Lord is identical to love and service. Are you serving God? To walk means advance. He says, and now Israel, what does the Lord your God requires of you but to fear the Lord your God, to advance in all his ways? Maybe if you really knew what God was saying to you, you would truly fear him. See, it promotes or prompts you into obedience and service. If you would just fear the Lord, he said, if you, if you just did not want to serve me, if you would fear me, the fear of the Lord would prompt you to obedience and service. To fear God is to do his will. See, but this is also coupled with testing of your faith. Let's go to Genesis chapter 22, verse 1 through 12, Amplified Classic, and Minister Al will be reading. And before he starts, keep in mind from uh, Women of War, I was teaching, a uh, part of my teaching was the first mentioned principle. And this is the first time that the fear of the Lord is mentioned, which shows you the significance of it. Amen? Love. Amen. Amen. Beginning of verse 12. 
verse 1 through 12. Verse 1 through 12. Mm -hmm. Right. This is the binding of Isaac. Now, it was after these things that God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham. Oh, sorry. I'm in, I'm in a different translation, y'all. So obviously, <laughs> Abraham is being tested. Mm -hmm. And Abraham was told that he'll be father of many nations. So he has a promise from God. Keep in mind that God has already given you promises, but you're going to be tested for the reward that you're qualified to receive the promise. Amen? Amen. Keep that in mind. Praise God. Chapter 22, beginning at verse 1. After these events, God tested and proved Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. God said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering upon one of the mountains of which I will tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and then began the trip to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. And Abraham said to his servants, settle down and stay here with the donkey. And I and the young man will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Then Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and laid it on the shoulders of Isaac, his son. And he took the fire, the fire pot, in his own hand and a knife. And the two of them went on together. And Isaac said to Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. Isaac said, see, here are the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for the burnt sacrifice? Abraham said, my son, God himself will provide a lamb for the burnt offering. So the two went on together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built an altar there. Then he laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took hold of the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He answered, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear and revere God, since you have not held back from me or begrudged giving me your son, your only son. I need for us to really see what God is saying here. First of all, when you fear the Lord, you're able to hear God. Abraham was able to hear. And then when you hear God, he give you instruction. And then when he give you instruction, he take you to a place. He take you to a people. And there is also in that instruction and in that place, and there is obedience because he says, here I am. Oh, oh my God, there's so much happening here. So when he calls his name, he says to her, here I am. He's saying, yes. He's obeying Cindy, and with obedience, he gets instruction. And with instruction, he gets direction. And with direction, he gives an offering. And with that offering, he's going to get a reward. See, this is, this is giving. This is sacrifice. This is sowing. 
This is tithes and offering in a sense. Now what? Now Abraham been waiting for 40 years or so. In old age, he was waiting. And he had, you said, God, wait a minute. I've been waiting for this gift. My only son. And now you're telling me to give up my all? You're asking me to give up my all. He said, but he was willing to give up his all. And he worshiped. See, it's in worship. See, he had to worship before he got to the end of the answer of responding to God. So when you give your tithes and offering, I need for us to really start to see that is worship. Do you see how he prepared himself. See how he prepared his offering. And he spoke to his offering. And he said to his offering, I'm going to get ready to give you up. <laughs> but we're both coming back. See, now, now my word is not going to return to me void. Come. Terrence, are you with me? I need you to understand when it comes to your giving of self. Whether it's service or whether it's monetary. God said, when you do that, you worship me. See, but you have to fear the Lord. This is why I told my husband when he first got saved and when he wanted to, when it came to giving. And make certain that it wasn't just out of tradition, but you understood the exchange and experience you're supposed to have with God. I want him to have an experience with God when he gave up his offering. Amen. Amen. Abraham was tested. He's supposed to be a father of a great nation, but then God asked him to sacrifice his promise. You promised me something. Now you're asking me for what you promised me. Because God said, you know, when you go ahead and sacrifice what you promised me, I'll provide. Sacrifice. See, he said, but it has to be with fear. I have to be with fear that I'm going to give you my all. Because the heart of Abraham, he didn't want his all. He wanted his heart. That's the all that he wanted. What's his heart? I want to see if I ask you to lay down everything, T, would you do it for me? See, and, and so, see, we feel, we, we question God, but there is a struggle. But when you've been in the presence of God, I can hear him. He's giving me instruction. So I'm not fearing man. I only fear the Lord. But I know in me fearing the Lord, he's going to answer me. Because I answered him. God said, I will provide. I will provide. Oh, my Lord. Jacob describes the Lord as the fear of Isaac, his father. 
Let's go to uh, Genesis 31, 42. My God. Genesis 31, 42. Hallelujah. Thank you. Y'all bear with me. <laughs> I got a minister. Don't worry about it. Uh, verse 41 through uh, 42. So 41 says, yes, for 20 years, I've slaved in your house. I worked for 14 years, earning your two daughters, and then six more years for your flock. And you changed my wages 10 times. Sounds like he was mistreated, right? In fact, if the God of my father had not been on my side, the God of Abraham and the fearsome God of Isaac, you would have sent me away empty-handed. But God has seen your abuse in my hard work. That is why he appeared to you last night and rebuked you in a dream. So what we have here is that Jacob actually, he, we, we know from the sheep and the, and the goat that he did some deception himself. Right? So with that deception that he did with the goats and the sheep, God did not charge that against him. The question is why? Why did he not charge that against him? Because he was the beloved son of Isaac. Because of the fear of, see, the fear of the Lord. Because his father feared the Lord. And he was his father beloved son. The heavenly father didn't charge it against him. And he rewarded him based on his father's fear of him. See, I'm explaining to you, in the Jewish culture, what happens is, uh, so why do they say the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? So when they die, they're then said, now the father of Abraham, the God of Abraham. But while they're still yet living, you don't say the God of Melvin. I'm still yet living and I'm on probation. See, this is where it comes that you have to work out your own salvation and your own probation. So it's only the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but not the God of Melvin yet because I'm still living. So for those who were dead, who died in Christ, it was the God of Abraham. So now you know why they say the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob, the God of Isaac. I know now because they have died in fear of the Lord. These were mocked as men who Feared the Lord. 
And because I'm living, I'm on probation as to whether I continue in this race fearing the Lord. But because the God of Abraham and the God of Jacob and the God of Isaac, I am now the beloved of them. And why? Now you will receive favor. And also, it will be even to why God would say, return back to me. You got to know. You have to have a good study when it comes to the, our Hebrew roots. Otherwise, we don't know why they were saying the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's because they feared the Lord. And they have long died. And because I'm the beloved of them, because of my confession of faith. Oh, my Lord Jesus. <laughs> oh, my God. See, there's a, uh, a forever portion of the connection of the fear of the Lord when you're in that bloodline. You have a portion of forever fear of the Lord opportunity. <laughs> okay. Oh, my Lord. Oh, Except the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac have been with me. See, you're able to say, because of that, my beloved, my God, have not forsaken me. This is why he have not forsaken you. This is why he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Now you know why he said it. He didn't just say it to say it. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Without the fear of the Lord, you will walk in darkness and be unable to turn away from evil. You'd be unable to fulfill the will of God. Those who truly understand God, those who truly understand God, they have an intimate relationship between the fear of God and wisdom. Hear me, they have an intimate relationship with the fear of God and wisdom. <laughs> See, y'all don't even know. Okay, you co-mingling with the fear of God and wisdom. The wise man knows how to value, while the fool despise the fear of the Lord. So those who truly understand God, they value him, and so they really know him. And because those who don't value him, they don't really know him, and they don't fear him. Let's go to Ecclesiastes 12, verse 12 to 13, Amplified class, and we're coming up on the end. And so reads. It says, but about going further, then the words given by one shepherd, my son, be warned of making many books, there is no end. And so do not believe everything you read and much study is a weariness of the flesh. All has been heard. The end of the matter is fear God. Revere and worship him, knowing that he is 
and keep his commandments. For this is the whole of man, the full original purpose of his creation, the object of God's providence, the root of character. My Lord. The foundation of all happiness. Wait a minute. The adjustment to all inharmonious circumstances. Get your life straight. And conditions under the sun. And the whole duty for every man. Amen. So if you have any confusion, any imbalance in your life, you need to look at who you live with and say we all need to get this straight. We need to initiate this very moment the fear of the Lord. It brings balance. It brings happiness. Anything that's out of order. So even if my finances are out of order, <laughs> your body, it brings it back in order because you fear the Lord. Oh, my Lord. Okay. Conclusion. <laughs> Joshua 24, 14. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in all sincerity and truth. And put away gods which your father served on the other side of the flood in Egypt. And serve ye the Lord. Where fear of the Lord is, truth is a living reality. Where fear of the Lord is, truth is a living reality. The fear of the Lord empowers you to walk in truth. It gives you authority. It gives you victory. Fear of the Lord, can, it actually conditions you or conditions your conduct and your outlook in life. Fear of the Lord, it's a long list. It constrains you against evil. Whatever is not the will of the Lord, it does not allow you to live in that condition. Not having the fear of the Lord, you will do anything. You can practice the word of God, say the word of God, but if you don't profess the fear of the Lord, you cannot act out, live out the word of God. The fear of the Lord causes you to watch your words. The fear of the Lord causes you to watch your words. Until you understand the fear of the Lord, you'll never be transparent. You'll keep lying. And so it becomes a, a way of living and practice so much so that you are not even aware that you're lying. If you fear God, you won't pick and choose what part of the word you believe. My question is this, can a person be saved and grow in the Lord when the fear of God is absent? Can a person really be saved and grow in the Lord when the fear of God is absent? When the fear of God is absent, fornication, sin, is a weakness. It's no longer sin and evil is always present. The evil mean the will of the will that's not of God is always present. The choice to choose not to obey God is always present. It's always presenting itself to you. 
Oh. Let's leave you with this. Find the core, the center core of yourself. That means let God be true and every man be a liar. Find the center core of you. Pull yourself from whatever is not the will of God. Let God be true and every man a liar. Let God be true. It says let. So that means that your thoughts and your way of doing things is your truth. That's why you're still doing what you want to do. Because you want to let God be true. Because you're a liar. You, me, see, we have the capability to lie. God says that he can't lie. So that means that he is truth and we're not. <laughs> so no matter how you think you're doing things well, if you're not fearing the Lord, you're not living according to how God created you. He said, I created you to fear me. Because to fear me is to know my way. I create you to know my way. I create you to know how to live as a Christian. Amen? Amen. The fear of the Lord is the beginning and the end of the humanity, who you are. The fear of God. Would you fear man or you fear the Lord? I pray that the word of God has definitely found a a deep-rooted place in your heart so you can begin to love and serve him with your whole heart and soul and all your energy and your entire being because this pleases the Lord. Amen. This is the time now to, uh, for prayer. Also continue worship. Uh, the altar is definitely open for a prayer and for a time for sow your seed into the kingdom of God. And now you really understand what it means to bring an offering.